0: to achieve. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, your favorite health and wellness radio show. I am your willing and able host today, Dr. Carissa. We are going to do something a little bit different today. We have a guest here, and so um, we're going to change our order up, right, because we have to be... Uh, flexible and accommodating here so shout out To my number one fan, hello, mom. I hope you are having the most terrific morning today. Oh, but before I forget, top of the morning to you. Today is Saint Patrick's Day, and we'll get into uh, Saint Patrick's Day, Saint Patty's Day uh, today. As you can see, for those of you who are um, live on our Facebook stream, I am wearing my green today because I remember when I was a kid, you always had to have your green on so you didn't get pinched or or something like that, but no pinches for me today. I am I am wearing my green. All righty, as we do every Thursday, we are gonna do our shout outs, but we're gonna do them a little bit differently today. Shout out to all of our Medical Minutes family in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Arizona, Mississippi, Texas, Washington State, Washington DC, Nevada, Alabama, Maryland, and the country of Belize. If you tell me where you are listening from, I will give you a shout out the next show. All righty. As I said, we are broadcasting live from our studio here in Atlanta, WWE Real 1100 AM. You can listen to this show, uh, listen to us live on Facebook. We are streaming now, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. You can also stream this show on your internet, www.real1100.com. Uh, And, of course, on your radio dial, WWE Real 1100 AM is where we are broadcasting from today. Uh, We broadcast here every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, but we also broadcast on every Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, out of our station in Las Vegas, that is 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio please follow us on social media we are uh, medical minutes with Dr. Carissa on social and thank you I see we have a Facebook uh, listener luck of the Irish to you thank you top of the morning to you alrighty so for our uh, COVID update I don't have any numbers for you I didn't prepare any numbers for you I think I'm trying to uh, transition out of um, just giving the count so but maybe I'll post something on our, our, our Facebook page. Maybe I'll put the counter up there. And we can keep track of it that way. Um, but of course, as you all know, um, you know, there are um, several um, mask restrictions that are being loosened all over this country and all over the world. Um, but I want to encourage you all to continue to be careful um, because COVID is not gone, even though we may try to... Um, try to put ourselves on the other side of it i am not quite sure that we are really there as of yet in news you need to know It's allergy season, and we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, allergy and what we need to do to prepare ourselves for it, Um, but I wanted to take this time to remind you that um, COVID-19 disease and allergy uh, or seasonal allergies or allergic rhinitis, as it is called, uh, share some similar symptoms, so cough, sneezing, uh, runny nose, for example. So how can you tell the difference? Well... Fever is going to be one of the major things that you're going to notice. So seasonal rhinitis or seasonal allergies um, will not have fever, Um, not not ever, okay? And that is not a part of the the allergic uh, cascade there. Also, over the last two weeks, uh, COVID cases have been on the rise across the European Union uh, with a subsequent increase in hospitalizations as well. Uh, Next, the BA.2 subvariant of Omicron, which is about 30% more transmissible, um, but so far we are not seeing where it is causing um, more deaths or more hospitalizations, um, is now accounting for about 30% of new cases. Uh, and lastly in news you need to know. According to a new report in Forbes and I found this just really scary and you should be alarmed as well. About 75% of healthcare workers may leave the industry by the year 2025. So 3 years from now we may see a reduction of 75% of our current healthcare workers and that's across all aspects of healthcare. Uh, They talk to several uh, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, um, all of the technicians uh, that that are a part of of your healthcare system and your healthcare process when you go into the hospital. Um, And, you know, they are leaving. Uh, You know, of course, we know the COVID pandemic highlighted um, the burnout that is happening in healthcare and in many ways made that burnout uh, worse, where you know there are very many, and I know um, several of my colleagues who um, have decided to pivot uh, to to something else, either within the healthcare industry or leaving the industry all in together. So you know, of course, when we talk about the scarcity um, of healthcare, particularly. In some remote areas, um, you know, that scarcity is only going to be exacerbated if we do have this mass exodus that is predicted according to this study. Now, with the study, they only surveyed about 3,000 healthcare workers. Um, and so, you know, it was just, you know, not, when we talk about studies and we talk about sample size, um, you know, not a tremendous sample size. Um, there. Um, But just the the sentiments that were presented in the argument, uh, excuse me, in the article um, you know are pretty much across the board at least you know they are um, common to conversations that I've had um, with my colleagues as well so I think that that um, you know the sentiments that are expressed there are pretty much across the board um, there. Um, So you know that's something to think about so we need to overhaul our healthcare system in terms of how we educate and bring in new healthcare workers across all of the, the youth fields. They are not just doctors. Uh, you know we need to talk about the work environments that we are subjecting our healthcare workers to and make some changes there as well. So as I said we're going to do something a little bit different today great. So usually I do a intro to, um, to our, our topic, but I'm going to do that in reverse so i'm going to tell you about our speaker first because after she finishes uh, gracing us with her presence she has another major interview to do and i'm so so proud of her uh, for that so in in essence uh, you know with time being of the essence for her we are going to um, pivot ourselves today right so if you are um, streaming on facebook send me some stars right um, and let me know what you think about the show and, and show the show some love if you don't mind. Alrighty, so today we are talking about making a life pivot, right? And so I would love to introduce to you now our guest, my dear friend and, and classmate, Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore. Let me tell you a little bit about this phenomenal woman. Dr. Tate Moore is originally from Compton, California. She is a Christian mother, servant, listener, and medical doctor who now resides in the Inland Empire. And I'm going to have to ask her where that is because I need to know. Her interest in becoming a physician began when she was in middle school while volunteering with her church to help the homeless in Los Angeles. She saw people who were both hungry and sick and wanted to do more than serve food. She wanted to help them in a more meaningful way. With a love for science and math, she applied herself fully in school. This was not the easiest task, as she had many distractions. Both of her biological parents were addicted to drugs, and while she never met her biological father, she had heard that he himself was homeless and could not help him, but wondered whether her father was one of the homeless people she and her church were helping. With the loving support of her maternal family, and specifically her maternal aunt, Mary Montgomery, known as Auntie May and Mom T, Tiffany received the love, support, and stability she needed to thrive. Subsequently, Dr. Tate Moore earned a bachelor's degree from the University of California Santa Barbara campus and a medical degree from from Meharry Medical School in Nashville, Tennessee. She has served as a medical officer in the United States Navy during the Global War on Terror and as an obstetrician gynecologist in Tennessee and also in California. Dr. Tate Moore has served the local community in her local church and through her sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated in the numerous places where she has lived. She began writing the poems in flowetry as she sought to heal from numerous surgeries caused by an accident of which she had to retire as an obstetrician gynecologist. She has two spectacular children who are in college now, Nathaniel and Mia, and she enjoys singing, traveling, and spending time with family and friends. Ladies and gentlemen, Medical Minutes family, please, join me in welcoming to the show Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore. Dr. Tate Moore. Thank you for having me. Hello, hello. It is so wonderful to hear your voice. How are you? I am happy to be here Um, and
1: you know I love doing my half marathons and walking them and and you know we've done uh, one together. (laughs) Yes we did
0: we did that was one of my not my last one but I think my next to last one so um, Dr. Tate Moore and I are are half marathoners and we did the uh, Disneyland Uh, what was which one was that? That was the but Tinkerbell. The I Tinkerbell. Think. Yeah, that was a that was a fun race. That was a fun race. So, let's get right into it. So, as we talked in your in your intro, um, and and just a a fascinating life story there, um, you know, and and you have completely overcome uh, quite a few things because I am I'm quite sure you are aware, um, you know that. When it comes to children from certain backgrounds, right, and particularly children mm-hmm. of color, um, you know, we like to, and by we, I don't mean myself, but society likes to um, put a bunch of statistics to that, right? Oh, statistically speaking, I shouldn't be where I am today. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Um, and 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 me either if if I'm if I'm quite honest. And so, how did you? So that was because we're talking about pivoting, right? Um, and so when when I read Dr. Tate Moore's story, um, and and she was talking about her new book, is it Flowetry? Is that am I yes. pronouncing that correctly? Good. I uh, was talking about her her new book, and and we were chatting, and um, you know, just her life story has been full of pivots. Right. Because a lot of us put ourselves on a path, you know, if you want to be, you know, a lot of kids, you know, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer, a nurse, whatever. Um, and your life path doesn't always follow a linear trajectory, right? And so mm-hmm. many times we have to pivot. So let's talk about, well, I guess let's talk about your first pivot. When you were growing up in Compton and seeing that, and you know, a lot of us through the media have um, thoughts about what what it looks like or what we think it looks like, tell us about tell us about that, about growing up in Compton and being a little girl with with big ambitions and how you had to pivot away from some negative things that definitely would have taken you. Off of this path.
1: Yes, um, growing up in Compton was definitely challenging and difficult. And while there were very many distractions from family members, um, you know, some were supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an uncle who was very into education. He was actually a professor at Compton College, my uncle, Amin Ra. And he always encouraged me and put me in different summer programs because he knew I loved education. And so he was like, okay, you want an education? I'm like, make sure you stay in education. Uh, right. <laughs> and so he made sure he um, encouraged my, my knowledge-seeking capacity and I looked at my mom and I knew that she loved drugs. And I figured, well, if she loved drugs, maybe if I was smart enough, she'd love me more. And Mm. so that as a way to encourage myself. So, and I knew what I didn't want to do. And so, you know, I had cousins who would drink a little bit, you know, underage drinking, you know, and drugs. I wasn't into that because I saw how much it damaged my mother's life Mm -hmm. and so because she was my mother's sister I still spent time with her and when she was on drugs she would be verbally abusive but I knew she loved me but as a child you know I was like well maybe if I was good enough You know, if I was better she would love me more and she would stop doing drugs so if I could be a better kid you know i could maybe change the situation and it was something i was always striving for and she was in and out of rehab constantly and mm-hmm. so i saw her and she taught me what resilience could look like so i knew that if i never would give up things could always get better and so she was an example of determination mm-hmm. because she was determined to kick their habit no matter what, even though she kept kind of reverting back to the drugs, she never stopped and she never stopped trying. So as a child, I knew that I needed to keep trying. My aunt showed me what hard work was because she had two children of her own and she accepted me and she struggled. Mm -hmm. So she showed me that I needed to struggle and struggle was okay and I needed to be determined and I needed to fight for what I wanted. So if I wanted a better life and I wanted something better, I needed to do that. And back then they had all those commercials on TV. Education is the key to the future, you know? Right. A little fried egg, this right. is drugs, this you is your brain, brain on, on drugs, drugs. Right. No, don't right. drugs. <laughs> and so I paid attention to all those things, especially because I saw what those things did to my mom, to my family, you know, to my father. And so I was like, okay, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that. I'm definitely gonna have a better life. I'm Mm -hmm. going to struggle, I'm gonna fight. And so growing up in Compton was difficult. And even when I, you know, found God and I started going to church, I didn't go to church as a family. Because that's not what we were into. It's <laughs> sad right. to say. Well, I went to church It with is what it is. People. Yeah. Yeah. I went to church with other people. So a lot of my poems are about community. And reaching out. And you never know how far that gentle gesture. Towards that extra child. That your uh, friend brings home goes.
0: Because mm-hmm. I was that
1: extra child. Right. And so it, it really goes far. But you know. I was at Bible study. At a home Bible study when I got shot in the drive by. So I wasn't doing anything bad when I got hit oh, by goodness. Uh, a shooting bullet. And I was in high school. And so, growing up in Compton, you know, I always think of Langston Hughes' poem, Life for Me Ain't Been No Crystal Stair. Right. I have so many stories of the struggle and the plight. And I even remember one time when my mom showed up to pick me up, I was in elementary school. She was so wasted. She showed up with a boyfriend. They could barely walk from the car to the front door mm. without falling. Yet they drove without getting stopped by the police. And my cousin Tasha, who was in junior high, not old enough to drive, I was crying because I didn't want to go. And she was the only one home with me. She drove us to their apartment. Their partner was an hour away. My so
0: they, goodness, she drove
1: from LA to the Valley
0: in junior just, high
1: school. Yes, and so wow. I mean, I have that, that's what my upbringing was about. I mean, there was just so many stories, so many. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. my life could definitely be a, a significant, entertaining movie because it's just unbelievable. Right, um, right. <laughs> so. It's it's one of those
0: things because I'm sitting here like I've known you for 25 years. I did not know this.
1: Yes. You know, so God was like, Tiffany, you need to share your story because your story can help someone. It's time for you to speak up and to speak out. And, you know, I went through my surgeries after I fell and I injured my wrist. I had six surgeries over two years. And when I had my uh, pericarditis episode and I thought I was going to die, my oxygen saturations every time I tried to speak would drop to like the 60s. And Mm. when they called, respiratory code. my oxygen saturations were dropping to the 40s. And I was like, oh my God, I'm about to die. I'm about to die in the hospital that I work in. I was on the fifth floor, the same floor that my mother died on. And I was like at a mm. diagonal from she died on, you know, when she died from cancer. So I was at a weird piece, but I was negotiating with God. I was like, Lord, okay. Right. I know I said I was gonna write my autobiography, and I was kind of rationalizing, I was like, Lord, if you get me out of if this, you if do,
0: you deliver, right. I will
1: write my autobiography. I know I've been putting it off. And so when I came out, I said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna write my autobiography. So when when God was like, write a poetry book, I was like, a poetry book?
0: This isn't even what we talked about. This isn't what I said I was gonna do, but okay. Right. Yeah. So I'm now- like, What do you mean a poetry book? Before we get into that, I want to go back to- how did you hurt yourself? I heard you say there was a fall and, and what was the injury that you sustained to your wrist? And so, you know, so I, I wanted, cause this is a key point to our, our story today and what we're talking about. I mean, there's so many key points in your story, but what we are talking about. So Dr. Tate Moore makes it all the way from Compton to Meharry medical college in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where we met. Mm-hmm. And from there goes into obstetrics and gynecology, which requires, that is a surgical specialty. Okay, and that requires obviously the use of your hands. Mm-hmm. So here we are, so you had a fall and and what was your injury? Yes,
1: so I was walking out of a trailer and there were gaps in the holes of the stairs. Mm -hmm. And so my ankle rolled and slipped through the gap in the stairs and I did a swan dive onto the concrete. And when you fight with the concrete, the concrete wins. Always wins. And so, yes, I had bilateral, which is both wrists, triangular fibrocartilage perforations. And so I injured both wrists, um, both Mm -hmm. knees, Ankles. And so at one point, I had um, braces on all six joints. And for two oh years, goodness. I was getting steroid shots. And the first time I received steroid shots in both of my wrists, I had, of course, a complication and the skin and both of my wrists turned white. Um, and so hmm. that was not good. So I didn't want to get those again. And so for two years, I went through physical therapy. I tried to put off um, surgery. And I tried to work through my injuries, which, which only made it worse. Mm-hmm. And so I finally succumbed and said, okay, I'm going to have surgery. And I tried to batch my surgeries and overlap my surgeries. And then um, I usually, usually you have surgery and you wait about six months or so before you have another one. Mm-hmm. No, I tried to be a hard charger to minimize my time away from my patients right. and do my surgery three months, three months, three months to minimize my recovery time.
0: And hmm. so I had my
1: first knee surgery. Three months later, I had my second knee surgery. And then 10 days postoperatively, I ended up with postoperative pericarditis and ended up in the hospital, unable to breathe. And then I had my respiratory code. My God. And then when I had my um, my wrist surgery uh, in that December, that's when, because I was on the pericarditis medication, I had to have a prolonged um, cast on my wrist. So I ended up with a frozen uh, wrist mm. because I was a cast for so long because my wrist would not heal because I was on the colchicine and the baby aspirin mm-hmm. for six months. My
0: goodness! And so
1: when I came out, um,
0: I have a frozen wrist even to this day. So I which, have no which, flexibility. Anymore. Right. So that that affects and so I'll just you know for our listeners, um, whenever you have a frozen joint. Um, your range of motion is severely restricted, um, and so of course, if you are a surgeon and you can't move your wrists fully, um, that that uh, impacts your ability to perform surgeries and even even smaller procedures as well. So not just the major the major surgeries. So mm. let's talk about that moment because we're talking about pivoting so here we have um you know and this is what what when you were telling me all of this you know which i knew about your your knee and ankle surgery because i think when we were doing our half marathon you had recently recovered from a surgery um Mm -hmm. on on your knees and ankles um and so you know let's talk about that pivot right so here you are your whole life you've wanted to be a doctor you finally make it, you're good at what you do, and then something happens and you can no longer do that. Tell me about that moment. It was
1: devastating. Yes. You know, I was like, okay, dear God, you have brought me through all of these things. You have got to be joking. <laughs> what do you mean you let me get what i wanted you've delivered me to the position that you said you were going to mm-hmm. you you fulfilled the promise right. <laughs> and now you are taking
0: it and away and now it's I, gone yeah
1: yeah poof i you know i had my job moment and i'm like i i don't i don't understand this does not compute and so um i went into a depression i had a mm-hmm. crisis of faith I didn't understand. And so, you know, this was 2019 and I was medically retired at the age of 44. And, you know, most people would have been like, yay. But I was like, no, wait. Right. This is not what I had planned. Right. I worked too hard for this. I made sacrifices for this. I missed
0: holidays and time with my kids for this. No, (laughs) no, and no. Well, and then that leaves the big question what do I do? next yes because you're still very young you know because you're yeah because you know we all joke about retiring at 40 and retiring at 50 and and you know winning the lottery and chucking the deuces and all of that we tease about all of that stuff right but the reality is that you were very young still and very still young even in your career Right. Because most of us Mm -hmm. that go into whatever career, but particularly in medicine, you know, we we expect to give a good 20 or 30 years. And Mm -hmm. so we want meaning. We want meaning to our lives. Exactly. So. So how did you come to the decision of what you know, what do I do next? Because I cannot do what I have spent all of these years training and preparing and educating and all of that. I can no longer do this. How did you come to the conclusion of what to do next and what did you do next? So, you know, I had a pity party first.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Cause that's real. Cause that's, that's, real that's what we do,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: And so after I had my pity party, um, you know, I started to reflect on how good God has been throughout my life. And I started to write myself out of my depression. And Hmm. when I started to write my poetry, it wasn't with the intent to write a book. It was with the intent to reflect about how God was for me and to me. And it was just to encourage myself. Hmm. And when I shared my poetry with family and friends, they were saying, you should publish this. And I was like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> right, I don't think so.
0: Right, because and, I'm, I'm a know, doctor. So I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not this. You know, I, I'm a doctor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And so then I started having so many emotions, and there was so much going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything. So I started writing poetry about that too. So there's lots of poet, poems in there about you know political things, taxes, just different things. I had emotions over Okay. And people were like, "You should submit this to a publisher." And I was like, mm. "I was still like, no. I was still on the fence." And eventually, you know, when the spirit of God spoke to me, do this. This is what's next. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. So people were like, do this. I was like, but what about my autobiography? I was supposed to be doing that. It's was like, no, this is first. I was like, really? But, you know, they say obedience is better than sacrifice. <laughs>
0: right. So I decided
1: to be obedient and I submitted this poetry book and, here we are. So you never know what is best for you until you just do it. Mm-hmm. And so
0: it may crazy talk, right? but you know, just go with the flow. Well, but you know, and that's the thing is like the, the whole thing, like you have been saying quote unquote crazy stuff your whole life, mm-hmm. right? Because you yes. know, you are a, a little girl in Compton. I want to be, I want to go to college. I want to be a doctor. All of that, you know, in in a certain environment and in a certain conversation sounds crazy, perhaps, to the people that you're around at that point in time, right? Absolutely. Um, And so, you know, you have been saying, and that's the thing that I think that we lose sight of, particularly if you... Have um, have accomplished things that you wanted to accomplish when you were a child. You don't realize when you were a child because you know. Again, I can I can say you know. Similarly, when I would tell people I wanted to be a doctor, I had no doctors in my family. I had no idea how to do that, right? And so mm-hmm. when you don't have a roadmap and you and you make these these audacious statements, it, sa- it can sound kind of crazy to some people. Right. So but but then these things, you know, through through God and and all of the things that he puts in our path, be it negative or positive, um, I think take all of those things as learning, uh, you know, learning, learning bumps um, that these things happen. Right. So, you know, but as we get older, I think the the fear of loss and the fear of change that it it sounds crazy to us because when you were a little girl when i was a little girl saying you know i want to be a doctor didn't sound crazy to me right didn't sound crazy to you but now here you are having to start over and having to pivot it sounds crazy isn't that something how how we don't have the belief of of a child anymore as we get older absolutely i think
1: it's important for us to still remain hopeful a lot of mm-hmm. times we let society rules kind of snuff out our dreams and we don't let our dreams soar as much as we did when we were children right but we should you know but we face the substance
0: of things hoped right for right Exactly. So now let me ask you our last question, because I know you have to scoot to another another engagement. What advice would you give, well, two things. How do we, first of all, how do we find flowetry? How do we get your, your book? I can't wait to get my copy, by the way. <laughs> you can purchase
1: it on Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, uh, Apple, iTunes, Kindle it's available uh, hardcover electronic book anywhere where books are sold
0: awesome sauce and I will put um, I have the cover art and I will put that uh, on our Facebook page uh, shortly and lastly the last question what advice would you give to someone who is at a moment where they have to they themselves have to pivot I would say Do not be afraid of change
1: Hmm. and do not be afraid if the change seems dramatic and strange because strange is okay Mm -hmm. and exercise faith over fear Mm. because fear is the shackle that binds us and sometimes we just need to push past the fear because fear holds us down and fear holds us back.
0: I love But it. if we can push past the fear, we'll be okay. Anything is possible. Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore, thank you so so much for joining us today and sharing your your story with us about pivoting Uh, through a life challenge we wish you all the best Um, you know I love you Uh, and you know you you are welcome thank you my sister you are welcome back any anytime you want to come back and share ladies and gentlemen Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore will be right back you're welcome thank you we'll be right back after a brief break you're listening live to medical minutes with Dr. Carissa At Just for Pets Wellness Center, our expert veterinary team provides personal, professional, and compassionate services to your beloved pets. You can rely on us for pet wellness exams, medical care and treatments, dentistry, and surgical care. We provide a clean, safe, and caring environment for dogs, cats, and pocket pets. With exceptional care, always the standard. We're doggone Good and the Cat's Meow. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about nmask.com. InMask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with InMask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at InMask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. are back welcome back welcome back if you are just tuning in you are listening live to your favorite health and wellness radio show medical minutes with dr carissa i am your host Dr. Carissa, we just had an incredible interview with my dear friend, Dr. Tiffany Tate Moore, uh, talking about pivoting. Um, and so if you missed that part, I'll just give you just the the little the bullet points um, where she um, had to pivot at several times in her life, uh, growing up in Compton, uh, drug addicted parents, uh, surviving being shot by a straight bullet. Making it to college and then to medical school, going through training as an OBGYN and having an accident that forced her to retire from doing that because of of physical limitations. And now is thriving in her new new life or new act, I guess I would say, in her second act or third act or fourth act as a best-selling poetress. Uh, and again, you can catch uh, her poetry book, Floetry, uh, anywhere that books are sold. And as I said, I will have uh, that link posted posted there on our page. So, you know, today's show was all about pivoting, right? Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to just give a, a little bit in the time that we have left. So pivots in life don't necessarily mean failure, right, they are opportunities for growth. And you know, I tell people that I never lose, even if it looks like losing, I never lose and I never fail. Either I win or I learn and I make my pivots, right? So according to Eric Reese, a pivot is quote, making a change in strategy without making a change in vision. So you ask yourself, right? How many of us are goal setting, no matter what that is? Goal setting in your personal life, goal setting with your health, goal setting with your employment, goal setting with your children, which I encourage you to do. Um, and, And then if you are, if you do have a singular goal and you put forth a plan, your plan A, what is your plan B, your plan C, your plan D, your plan E? You get where I'm going with that, right? Because, you know, the one thing that we can all reliably count on is change. And most of us don't like that, including yours truly, being a little bit honest with you all today, right? Transparency is my jam. So think upon all the changes, for example, in your workplace, right? So I'll give you a few, the changes that I don't like, right? So when you get a new boss because you liked your old boss. Or a director, or you didn't like your old boss and you get a new boss and you don't like them either, right? Or if they're implementation of new policies um, at your job. If, for example, you're changing offices or changing a location and maybe you have to drive a little bit further and it's a little more inconvenient, or the office that you had had a nice view and now you're looking at nothing, right? Um, Or now you're in cubicles. Right. Where you did once have an a office with a view or if they're new procedures. So I'll, I'll give you I'll, I'll share again uh, in the case of doctors, whenever we have uh, implementation of a new EMR, which is the electronic medical record. And you have to learn a whole new system over again. And it's just like I didn't really like the old system, but I knew it. And now I have a new system that I, I vow to hate right from the beginning. Right. Or your life changes. Right. So, for example, you have a new health diagnosis or a new change in your medication regimen or a new doctor or that doctor has a new location or new staff or you've lost employment or you've lost life. Right. Because a lot of us our families are changed because of of what we all have been through um, with COVID-19. So all of these situations have or will force us to pivot. So how do we pivot with purpose, right? Pivoting is a mindset that requires flexibility, it requires vision, and it requires strategy. I remember when I have done interviews and been interviewed, like interviewed for a job or whatever, and the question that I absolutely would hate because I hadn't thought about it, where do you see yourself in five years? That requires a vision and a strategy that, um, you know, when I was asked that question, I didn't have a, a solid answer. You know, I fluffed my way through it, right? Um, but I didn't have a, a solid this is what I believe in my core um, answer to that question and of course you know life is unpredictable and and I have had to pivot and I have chosen to pivot even when I have been in situations that no longer serve me or no longer suit me Um, but pivoting at random is is kind of scary particularly if, if finances are involved, right? You got to always be prepared. You know, like, like my grandma said, you know, I've told y'all this before. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So pivoting with purpose. Allow time for self-reflection and analysis. And do this on a consistent basis. So either on a daily basis in a small way or weekly or monthly depending upon how you have uh, strategized your goals, right? And you can ask yourself the question, is this working? And no matter what that is, is this job working for me? Is this relationship working for me? Is what I'm doing now, is this really working for me? Am I in a good place with this? And be honest with yourself, right? Because sometimes I think that self-honesty is the hardest honesty to give because we all want to think of ourselves as absolutely fabulous. And you are, but perfect you are not. And neither am I, right? So, you know, in that imperfection is where we find those opportunities for growth. And that's okay. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace As I said before, pivoting is not failing. So sometimes, like I don't sail, but here is an analogy. Sometimes you have to adjust your sails because you cannot change the direction of the wind. Right? So you control the things that you can control. Mentorship creates community and creates an an expert panel that you, you can go to as well trust yourself and have discernment not all change is necessarily bad and not all change is necessarily good sometimes we want change just for the sake of change but we want to pivot with purpose right and then also you know when you share your pivot as as dr tate moore was saying you know that there will be a lot of unsolicited advice, but not every negative is necessarily from a hater, right? Sometimes the perceived negative is one that is out of concern, right? Um, So, you know, I know when I have had my great, big, audacious things that I have said later in life and I have shared that with people and you see their face and it is not one to be discouraging, but one that they want to make sure that I will be okay on the other side of this great, big, audacious thing that I'm doing. Right. So you got to consider the source. But always remember, too, that you live what you decide. You want to ask for help. Delegate tasks. No man or woman is an island, and you do not have to do it all by yourself, and you do not have to do it all at once. Almost everything is temporary. If this doesn't work out, okay. It just doesn't you can try again and try differently and fail differently right so for example Thomas Edison the inventor of the light bulb had over 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb so you know he had to do it wrong a thousand times to figure out the right way to do it so it's important to just keep going through your pivot or readjust your pivot. You know, tweak it a little bit. If that's all That's all good. So okay. In our last moments, of course, we are going to go to our vitamin C. So today is St. Patrick's Day. And so, you know, why does that matter? Who cares, right? So I'm going to tell you, St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland and is credited with bringing Christianity to Ireland. That is why St. Patrick's Day is such a big deal, particularly if you are of Irish descent or you live in Ireland, right? And so, you know, you will see today, um, you know, all of the green and green beer and, you know, in Chicago, they will dye the river green uh, in honor of, St. Patrick's Day, Um, and so, you know, a lot of the times, you know, we celebrate these things, and it's a good time, and I'm with it. I'm all in favor of of any celebration of any kind, particularly if there's food, Um, and, but, you know, sometimes it's good to know, like, why we are celebrating this, so that's what this is, and so, on this St. Patrick's Day, I am going to give you, not my words, but the words of an Irish blessing and I read several of them and so this is kind of a combo of some of the ones that I, I like some of my favorites so here we go may the road rise up to meet you may the wind always be at your back may the sun shine warm upon your face the rains fall soft upon your fields and until we meet again may God hold you in the palm of his hand May you be poor in misfortune and rich in blessings. May good luck be with you wherever you go. And your blessings outnumber the shamrocks that grow. Thank you so much for joining me for my favorite hour of the week. And until we meet again next week, hopefully, be good to yourself. Be good to each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week.